the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 201 for 4 May 2009. Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. I'm Dave Hamilton. That was Pilot Pete. John Braun is here with us. Hi, John. How are you? Good. And we uh, we let Pete do that just because of the mental drain that you and I all went through with last week's logistics. <laughs> hey, Pete saved the day last week. Yes, he did. And I, I got to say, I had I had a lot of fun. I'm I'm not used to you know always thinking on my feet and uh, the live format, but uh, I think we we did as well as could be expected with uh, our pretty much our first. <laughs> Yeah, experimentation yeah. with doing something like that so uh we'll certainly refine it and uh but yeah thank you so much pete for coordinating behind the scenes otherwise it would have been a major train wreck oh yeah. thanks yeah no, it was fun and I'll, next time i'll know to turn the people off before they can say no i tried that it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, we gotta do some audio editing uh, that's right we'll, we'll work on that we we got quite a bit of comments i actually was was actively seeking out uh comments from folks who did not listen in live but instead listen just to the feed like normal and uh and by and large the comments were positive um you know they 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 uh so and like you said john we'll refine things we every show is not going to be live uh so no no worries to anyone who was concerned about that and also uh sorry to let down those of you that were looking forward to every show being live but my guess is we'll probably find an opportunity once every four or six weeks to uh to have some fun with it live you you, you can certainly imagine that dave I will. I will imagine that. <laughs> but um, at, at one point, I think we got up to almost 90 people online in the chat room. Well, that's pretty good. Or at least the, the maximum. So I, I, don't, I don't know if that was the maximum, but it, it, the counter got up to that. So, so at some point, I think there were 90 people. But that was great. It. it was, uh, as, as I think I mentioned and tweeted and stuff like that, uh, it was a bit distracting. Oh, yeah. Should I pay attention to you or Pete or Skype or TalkShoe or just, you know. To the show. That's right. Of, you know, hide in a corner. So, um, you, you know what? Let's jump. Let's dive right into the show. You um, go, brother. So we're, we're breaking the agenda already, but we, we had, we, we've got, we've got some good questions and, and comments to share, but we've got a lot of things sent to us that fall into the cool stuff, cool stuff found category. And I figured, uh, it was time to start the show with that. Cause otherwise we won't get to it if we put it at the end. Uh, John, I'm going to I'm going to start with Tom's thing here because it's a cool bit of technology. Tom, Tom sent in a note uh, and he said, while scanning new product reviews across the Web, I came upon this neat little device and thought I would bring it to your attention. The Pogo plug at pogoplug.com is a network appliance that turns USB storage devices, typically either a memory stick or a USB hard drive into an Internet based storage device. Simply put. If I plug in a one terabyte external hard drive, you can now access that device and data anywhere on the Internet via a portal. Of course, you can access it locally as well. It does all of this for just under one hundred dollars. And then he goes on to talk about uh, some other things here. But uh, very interesting. I know you you looked at this a little bit. I guess it uses a web interface for part of it. And I I think, John, we figured out that that web interface actually goes via Pogo plug server, not direct to um, the drive somehow. I, I looked very quickly. So they have to install some software. So local sure. access is kind of a given that it's wired into your router. Remote access, um, yeah, it sounds like very quickly reading the reviews and they have 
lots of reviews, Gizmodo, Engadget, CNET, Crunchgear, I thought, uh, I read that one, and that seemed to go in a little bit of detail at how exactly does this thing work? And it seems for people outside of your network, the way it's done is through a web interface. So this must create some sort of, I'm imagining, HTTPS tunnel or something um, through a web interface. And I've seen other things like iFi does this uh, in some fashion, too, and that you're accessing a web app to get to stuff that's on a local device. So, um, you know, I guess the only question is, you know, how secure is this? I, 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 we'll, we'll read up on it, but, you know, it's 99 bucks. Yep. I mean, it basically lets you turn anything. The, the only caveat that I thought was weird is that you can't use a journaled HFS drive, only HFS non-journaled or hfs plus um but yeah it looks like pretty much any format drive just slap it in here so it sounds like you know kind of in the in the spirit of uh drobo is hey you know you got a you know some drives sitting around and right. why, why the heck not access them remotely so so i think you and i got to look a bit at the uh the, again my, my question is security and how you keep prying eyes away because uh, i mean you can do the same thing on your uh you know, your Apple equipment, too, to share a drive remotely, though it gets a little squirrelier. I mean, this is plug and play. Right. From what everybody said, I, I think even one of the reviews said they included a bag of popcorn and said, if uh, we bet you can set this up quicker than you can pop this bag of popcorn in the microwave. And, and <laughs> the person was able to do that. So clever marketing on their part That's as awesome. well. That's great. So uh, maybe, maybe they'll throw a couple at us to uh, to try out. What do you think? So Yeah, we'll maybe. See. Sure. Yeah, we, we can ask them. I'll have them uh, send some your way. You got some USB drives for to uh, plug in and play with that? Oh, sure. All right. Cool. It's got a uh, iPhone app too, so you can get like your pictures and stuff on your a- iPhone according to their website. So. Very cool. Yeah. Wow. Uh, in the in the very very cool department, uh, some of you may have heard about this device already. Uh, some hard drives from a company. Well, I call them hard drive storage devices. I guess is the right term from a company called Runcore at Runcore dot com. We've all heard, or most of us have heard, about the MacBook Air, which. Uh, had was I think it was the first Mac to have a solid state drive option as a uh, ridiculously expensive. That's right. Solid. I, I think it was like over a thousand dollars. Yeah, it was. It was certainly up there. Eight hundred ninety bucks. Yeah. Insane. Um, but it was state of the art, which yep. that's Apple. Well, and and benchmarks that were run on it didn't really show any great big speed increase with the, the one that came from Apple. Well, Runcore um, seems to have one of the fastest, if not the fastest, um, solid state drives. And it is a drop in plug in uh, replacement for the two and a half. They have this run. It's the Runcore Pro 4, I think. And it's a two and a half inch enclosure uh, drop in replacement for the two and a half inch drive that's in your MacBook Pro. The reports that are out uh, show that not only is this thing, of course, quieter and more reliable, than a hard drive or less um, less prone to faults, I guess, from physical damage. But uh, it also is seven to ten times faster than uh, than the drive in your MacBook Pro. So we've uh, I've been talking to them. Hopefully we'll, we'll we'll get an opportunity to check one of those out and and uh, report back to you folks. But um, runcore.com dot nice. com. Yeah, it, look, cool. it looks and really I- cool. And and the prices aren't well, they're not stellar. Uh, what did we check out? Run Runcore. Well, no, they could be stellar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, astronomical even. Uh, 64, 32 gig version for 160 bucks, 64 gig for 299, 128 gig for 499, and they've got a 256 gig, which is impressive in and of itself, um, for 899. So you know, uh, but but the two, the 128 and the 256 uh, have read speeds up to 240 megabytes a second. That's really fast. 
Nice. Yeah. Okay, that gets to the platter speed of a lot of mechanical hard drives, I think. That's way faster. So that's cool. Yeah, that's right. Way um, faster than anything you'd get in a laptop. Yes. So, um, and, and I saw something similar, Dave. I was at a uh, show called Echo Focus uh, run yep. by Pepcom. You know, they run these little things in the city. I saw Robert. Hello, Robert. Uh-huh. Our friend Robert. Yep. Was there. Um, and Imation was showing their SSDs, solid state drive. Now, now to, to, to go back a bit, I think when you and I first looked at the drive in the air, I think that the biggest problem back then is that they were using memory that I guess, you know, memory is great for reading. Um, sustainable memory, like, you know, uh, flash and stuff like that. I think typically where they lack is write speed because they weren't really meant for, you know, heavy amounts of writing. I don't know. But I think in general, when we last looked at it, Dave, that was the problem is that the write speeds were, were kind of crummy. And I'm sure these guys are working on better memory technologies. So right. the write speeds equal the read speeds because I think uh, the read speeds of memory almost always exceed the, the write. Well, especially with, you know, the type of yeah. memory we're talking about. Uh, but these guys have some classes of drives and, and similar. Now, it, uh, I sent you very quickly the specs on these drives and um, the, the prices are about the same. And I think the performance is a little less about the prices. So like uh, Imation has an M class of drives, which I guess are their higher speed. I believe they are. Um, or no, I'm sorry. They have an S class and an M class. The S class is SATA 2, which is up to three gigabytes bits per second or bytes, I think bits we'll see in an M-class drive, but but they were showing those, um, but it, it, it seems to be, so their maximum size was 128 gigabytes, and that, that was a 369 for one of the configurations. So they're certainly more expensive than a mechanical hard drive, because you can get a 320 gig mechanical drive for like under 100 bucks now, I think, right. for your laptop, right? Yeah, um, yeah, oh, definitely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but it's but also I think their, their uh, you know, their angle is power, because I think in general, um, these things draw a lot less power than mechanical drive, and uh, you don't have uh, well, you have different problems to deal with. So on the mechanical drive, either the mechanics wear out or, the, or you have a head crash. These drives, I mean, memory for the most part, especially rewritable memory, it has a fixed lifetime. Though I, I I don't know on these if you'll ever reach it, but they they have it in the spec. So whether you know hundreds of thousands of write cycles before the thing rolls over. Right. So it's a different sort and maybe more predictable sort of failure than um than mechanical drives. Yeah, just to uh, point out that the the um, Imation drives are it's a SATA interface, just like the 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 drive in your in your Mac laptop or your newer Mac laptop. Anyway, uh, the speeds on those are uh, the I guess the M class was reads were 150 megabytes a second, writes are 90, and on the S class reads were 130 megabytes a second, but writes were mm-hmm. 120. So um, a little bit slower than the than the run, actually quite a bit slower than the run core drives. Yep, and I guess the good news, I think, as you pointed out, is, you know, if you drop them, there's no real, you know, dealing with G-forces. Like, you know, the drives now, I think, all pretty much pull the head back if they detect right. that you're doing something stupid or it's falling off a table or something. Whereas these, you don't need that. I, I think it would be very hard physically to uh, upset them. Right, right. Yeah, electronically, you could, you know, fry it just like anything else. So. Yes. All right, I'm going to break us in the in the middle of our cool stuff found because we have so much of it. And uh, and talk about our first sponsor for the show, John, which is Smile on My Mac. And PageSender is the application that we're talking about here. Now, PageSender is fax software for your Mac that lets you fax anything that you can print. Uh, you get to send faxes directly from the print dialog. And you can receive faxes using your fax modem. And it's actually got uh, a spam filter for faxes in there. So if you've got a fax modem in your Mac and you're receiving faxes, you can actually filter out the spam 
which is a, a wonderful thing. You can, because it's in the print dialogue there and you're using page sender, you can attach additional PDF documents. Um, it is fully scriptable, uh, which is something that, that smile on my Mac does with a lot of their apps, but it's got, uh, uh, you know, its own Apple script libraries. They've got examples for integrating with FileMaker. Um, you can do PDF cover pages too, so you can uh, you can you know create a nice little cover page and then attach that as uh, as your PDF. You can send and receive if you don't have a fax modem. You can it'll integrate with eFax, JConnect, or EasyLink, uh, or or one of the many other fax to uh, to email services, fax to web services, if you will. Uh, so you can fax from the from the go, fax on the road, anywhere you've got an internet connection. If you sign up for one of these services, you can send and receive faxes that way too. It's available for thirty nine ninety five, but of course, like everything that Smile on My Mac has, I think certainly this there is a thirty day free functional demo uh, at smileonmymac dot com slash page sender. So that's uh, that's page sender for us, John. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, so now uh, more cool stuff found is, uh, uh, you know, let me, let me pull up this email from Dustin here. L- last week we were talking about a way of, uh, we, we got asked how to, uh, take albums and convert them to digital LP albums. And someone albums, mentioned, we're, we're talking analog technology, correct. Just, just for those who, who may not know what we're talking about, this would be a disc, um, with, uh, indentations that a, uh, <laughs> needle yeah picks up on and then translates to sound you may have heard of this but no i don't want to assume this because it's true that's true, it's true. <laughs> some 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 of our listeners may have grown up uh, not even with cassettes but you know starting with cds so yeah anyways uh but apparently from what i hear if you got a good setup it's the best sounding system you're going to get it it th- there there is good argument for for saying that yeah uh, but anyway uh dustin writes in regard to the caller that was asking about digitizing his vinyl collection and splitting it into tracks, I have a few solutions. Yes, Audacity will work, and the free part is nice. However, it's not the easiest solution. The other app that was mentioned, and I dismissed, was Fission. He said, And Dustin says this is perfect for what he wants to do. It's extremely easy to use, and though not free, worth every penny. I use Fission all the time to split .wav files into smaller tracks. I'm a taper, so I go out and record bands that allow it. Anyway, I record to an Ederol R4 Pro in WAV format. Fission imports the file. I normalize it, add my track splits, trim off the crowd at the beginning and the end. If I trim the ends, it automatically adds fades. If I don't trim, I can easily add fades. Then I export the waves first in uh, 24 to 48 format for the uh, uh, high-res audio fans, and then I export waves in 16 and 44.1 format for the normal folks. There are other apps but Fission is simplest to use and has done the best job for me. Uh, so there you go. Yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing is I use Fission all the time um, and and really never thought about it for anything other than MP3s. And the reason is because it has that one feature that it allows you to do non-destructive editing of an MP3. In fact, I used it just a couple of days ago. I had to pull uh, some samples of podcast advertisements actually for for one of our sales reps at backbeat media and so i downloaded um you know two or three different podcasts that we had found uh you know mac geekab and maccast and coverville and, and a couple others and pulled them together and found the ads and you know i downloaded mp3 files so i used fission so that i wouldn't lose any audio quality and just like dustin said 
you put your your split points in and it fades in and out and it you know everything works beautifully so uh yeah it actually seems like it is a perfect answer for splitting up now, uh, an lp into into separate tracks okay now let me ask you this i i really am not a big garage band user i don't know if you are but would garage band even be something to consider to try this well I know you, you can start- use it for making podcasts and stuff, but I'm wondering, I, I guess the only question is, is, it's, uh, is whatever you're using smart enough to know when there's a break in tracks and to split it up for you? No, it fission okay. certainly isn't doing it intelligently. Um, oh. it, right. you, you've got to go and find the points, but of course those points are actually very easy to find when you're looking at the waveform. Oh, you, sure. You know, it, you see all sorts of uh, waves and then, you know, two seconds of silence or whatever it is. And boom, that's where you do your cuts. And the fade-ins and fade-outs work, uh, work really well, so you don't hear those, those hard cuts. Even though it's silence, you're still going to have some sound, and so you know, the way it does its fades in, fade-ins and outs. So, thank you, Dustin. Uh, all right, we should do Jed. Right, John? Indeed. Indeed. All right. So Jed writes, uh, I have two tips for you all. Recently, you were discussing App Zapper and such to remove all the cruft from apps you delete. I used to use AppZapper until I installed the Hazel preference pane, which, of course, we've talked about before, John. I think you guys know, but Hazel is a great app to have documents automatically moved, uh, a.k.a. any download over seven days goes to my documents or desktop. But if you throw an app away, Hazel will ask you if you want to trash the preferences and the app support, too. It is very nice. So, yeah, Hazel is used. uh, We talked about it to manage your downloads folder and have different folders within it to uh, to show how old downloads were and, and then archive stuff off. But uh, apparently it also keeps track of applications and their support files, John, which is pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. And it asks you as you delete it, if you want to pull something else, I got to I got to reinstall this and, and mess with it because that that's the point in time when I want it to ask me. I don't want to have to think about it two weeks later. I just mm-hmm. want to as I'm deleting the app. Do you want to get rid of the support files? Absolutely. You betcha. Yeah, you know, that kind of uh, falls into another. Have you heard of this initiative called Inbox Zero? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of in that same vein. Rather than letting all the cruft build up, get rid of it, man. You know? Yeah. Something that kind of cleans up after you after a certain amount of time. Because if you don't use something after a while, it's you're probably, yeah, I'm I'm guilty of this. I have all sorts of apps just scattered about that I haven't run in ages. I should probably run, do a little sort by date and just see what I haven't run in like five years and yeah. get rid of it. But Yeah, I pretty much live in box zero. It's the only way I can manage my life. If, I, yeah. if I'm going to, if I'm going to see, if I'm going to bother to read an email, I'm either going to deal with it then or, or, you know, set it for a, a future date. Yeah, I have to shed the mindset of, you know, I may need this just in case. Yeah, but that's no good reason to leave it in your inbox. Yeah, well, sometimes I filter it, but then sometimes, yeah, I'll leave it there. Oh, I'm going to read that later. But, uh, put it, you know, put just it in a make folder the decision now. That's right. Make yeah. the decision now. Yeah, I, I've <laughs> often said, and, and when I follow this advice, uh, things tend to go well for me. But I've <laughs> often said, and that's, that's to indicate that perhaps I don't always follow my own advice. But uh, it's much better to make a bad decision now then defer a decision forever. So, you know, pull the trigger. Don't deep. don't. Well, no, it's yeah, it's good, deep, but it's it's easy, man. You know, much. Just make the decision. O- oftentimes, that's all that needs to happen. So anyway, back to Jed. 
right? Or, or are we going, are we going down this rat hole? Where's Jed? All right. Jed's here. Jed says also, this is a little more obscure, but not as obscure as the little tangent we took there, Jed. Uh, but I've been having a problem with iPhoto library. And, and, and for those of you looking to sync your iPhoto libraries, listen to what, uh, what Jed wrote here. I have a Mac mini as a media center and I want a duplicate of my photos there, but I load them onto another computer. My library is 14 gigs. So I was trying to find out how to update only the new photos and information. I tried some folder sync apps and didn't have a lot of luck because even though the photo library is just a glorified folder, often it isn't seen as one by apps. ARR sync, which is at arrsync.sourceforge.net worked perfectly and is super quick. So very cool. Check this out because I know we, we get a lot of you. In fact, I had two or three people as I was reading through our, our email stream today uh, looking for a way to sync iPhoto libraries. And it seems like this this might be the magic answer because, yes, it is a folder, but you got to be real careful that, you know, you're you're getting everything and you're doing it in the right way. So check out ARR sync. Yep. And that's kind of clever because our sync is, as you may know, or if you don't, is a Unix utility that basically, uh, you know, does file transfer and uh, synchronization. But if you look at their page, because it's ARR sync, like R, like a pirate. <laughs> if you go to their page, they actually have a uh, little flag with a, uh, well, at least a skull. Yeah, no, it's no, no, a, no, it's there's a, no skull. It's the sync, no, it's cross the sync logo and, with crossbones. And crossbones. Right. Yes. So right. sync and crossbones. So, uh, very nice to embrace the, the whole pirate thing. Okay. Next. I like it. Yep. Uh, next. All right. Well, it's time to go on to our next. questions here. You know, uh, we were talking about our 200th show and, uh, and we do often get requests for people asking us, you know, is there a PayPal address you can send to and this, that, and the other thing. And we, we haven't set that up. There's a lot of reasons for it. I'm, I'm not going to go into it now. We are working on something. And, and in a nutshell, you know, I, I I didn't just want to take donations here, John. Even though there there have been many folks who have graciously offered to do so, um, but I I feel like you know I want to give something or have something there, and that's just that's just my thought process. But anyway, they, there there's a whole other conversation to happen there. A few of you over time have found creative ways to donate, and I wanted to uh, thank George. Um, for sending John and I the uh, the Amazon gift cards as a celebration of our our 200th show. Thank you very much, sir. That was yes. uh, totally awesome. unexpected and 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 very pleasant. So you're too kind. Moving on, it's t- is it not, time to answer Dan's question? I guess we have, but we're not in it for the money, are we? No, but no. it's it's we're okay to have our the... time compensated. Uh, yes, on the other hand. <laughs> We're in it for helping people. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, like we said last week, it, you know, the, the initial start was, well, A, to play with all this fun audio gear that I like to play with. Uh, and, mm. and, and and really, it was so that you and I could, you know, keep doing this. So. Exactly. Who's next? Dan. Dan. Hi, John and Dave. It's, uh, it's uh, Dan from Ontario, Canada, calling in and uh, a uh, rather recent uh, listener to your uh, podcast. And uh, I was going to uh, ask this uh, during uh, podcast uh, 200, uh, but (laughs) due to the uh, fact that I'm a uh, voiceover uh, user, um, the the, uh, TalkShoe uh, client was uh, unfortunately not too uh, accessible. 
Um, I was able to get in there and uh, listen at least. Uh, but uh, to uh, to my question, um, you guys had had uh, briefly uh, touched on the uh, use of super duper uh, to 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 uh, clone your your drive. Now, my, my question is, uh, can I use super duper? to to uh, uh, clone a drive and uh, make it bootable with a uh, a uh, drive connected by USB, or is it is it uh, strictly uh, does it does it strictly have to be um, um, uh, connected by a firewire um, in order to uh, in order to actually uh, actually boot from it? Uh, Thanks. Take care and uh, nice work on the podcast, guys. Thanks, Dan. Uh, you want to take this one, John? Uh, well, one part of this. So, so there are a couple of parts of this. Um, the, the question about what can be uh, the super duper backup. Well, that, of course. Yeah. yeah. No, I want to talk the, about something else. But uh, well. I, let's answer his question, shall we? That's what we're here we for, isn't it? OK, do that. Okay. Well, I guess the bottom line is that you you can, of course, use SuperDuper or Carbon Copy Cloner or things, uh, you know, similar programs that do a full backup to make something bootable. And I guess the only key here is that depending on the type of machine you have, you, it limits you or not uh, as far as what you could boot from. So, of course, on an Intel machine, you can boot from either USB or FireWire. And I guess the deal is if you're on an older PowerPC machine, you're going to, of course, only boot from FireWire. So, you know, to me, the answer is yes. Yes, that's right. Yeah, so that that you hit it. Intel is USB and FireWire. PowerPC is FireWire. Now, I know we've talked about this before. I know it gets a little bit geeky, and I'm I know I'm okay with that. Um, but you need to make sure that the uh, drive is uh, partitioned with the right partitioning scheme to boot the machine that you are talking about. You know, it would be terrible to back a machine up for a year to a drive that, you know, uh, yep, I'm Intel machine. It's a USB drive. I'm good to go. And you're doing this over and over again. And finally, the day comes because with backups and failure, it's not if it's when. And so now it is when and you go to boot from the drive that you have been faithfully backing up to on schedule every day and it won't boot. And you ask yourself why? And it's because you didn't repartition the drive for an Intel machine as GUID. And this is found. Uh, I'm going to go into disk utility because if we're going to dig this deep, we might as well dig this deep. Disk um, utility part. Partition. Yeah, I'm floating around there, too. That's all right. So it's disk utility uh, partition, and then you have to click on options. Mm, I've got to figure uh -huh. out why I can't get there right now. Likewise. But anyway, yeah, so you got to click on options. Uh, I clicked on one partition. Now my options button turns on, and when I click on that, I get GUID, Apple Partition Map, and MBR, or Master Boot Record. Right. And it pretty much tells you what, you know, GUID, of course... Is Intel based? Apple Partition Map is PowerPC based, which is highlighted, which it should be because that's the machine I'm on, and Master Root Record for the dirty, filthy DOS machines. <laughs> but but you have no real opinion on 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 how good they are. Right? Yeah, certainly not. Yeah. So when John says GUID, it's G U I D. Um, right. 
But uh, but yeah, that that's what you want to do. So the first thing you want to do is wipe that drive, repartition it and make sure you click on options there in disk utility. So you're in you click on the drive, you click on partition, you click on options and make sure you choose the one that matches the machine that you intend to rescue from that backup. And that will uh, that will do it. So, yeah. There, there you go. Now, you said there was something else in there. I can only imagine where I've I've opened this door to go. But uh, but but there was something else you wanted to answer for Dan. Uh, no, my so he said he was using voiceover, which my understanding is yeah. a, a part of OS 10 that will speak what is is going on. The only reason I uh, uh, I was just trying to think why didn't it work, and the only thing I can imagine is if uh, if I recall correctly, TalkShoe is a Java based app, right? Oh, right. So I'm thinking Java has some mojo that just doesn't really work with uh, Voiceover. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, as Voiceover I said, works with uh, you know Mac native apps. I think it probably works okay if you write, have a well written app, but then Java is a whole different world and actually i've well if you remember i commented when we were running it for the show the ui was kind of horked a little bit in that yep. I, I was getting clipping on the window rendering and stuff like that and i've seen that in java apps before especially in the ui for for server-based stuff i think java is wonderful as a software type of guy you know where, where you don't care about the ui because there isn't one it's just running a web app or tomcat or whatever the heck you're running but for ui stuff i i still see these things and it, it still bothers me you know what i'll okay. give you that I, I i i said last week i think i said something along the lines of i've never met an, a, a java java or adobe air app that i that i didn't hate um and and the 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 true part of that is i've never met a gui based java or gui based adobe air app that uh that i didn't hate command line or server based, you know, Java apps actually are fantastic. In fact, the ad server that we run oh, at sure. Backbeat Media is all Java and it totally rocks. No question. Java yeah. command line or any pretty much anything command line that's uh but well, whether it's single or multi-platform, yes, but yeah. UIs and uh, I don't know, I got to differ so with good. you. I like Air. I like Twirl for my oh, Twitter app. God. I'd rather I'd rather take out my own appendix. Well, well, Twirl, I, all right, Twirl lets you change your column width. Now, I don't like, I think Ooh, it's TweetDeck. column width, wow. It still doesn't <laughs> well, have well, a no. real menu structure or look like a Mac app in any way, but at least we can change our column width, so you know what? We can rest easy. Settle down. <laughs> but no, what was it? TweetDeck, I think, is another one? Tweet yeah, another deck. one that doesn't sucks. even let you, well, well, my problem was it has multiple columns for multiple purposes, but you can't resize the columns. So to me, that's just right. automatic fail, and I quit that. So. <laughs> Anyways, I like Twirl. You don't. It's you know well, yeah, because it doesn't. The UI is terrible. I mean, let's face it. You know. I, now I, I say this tweet. I say this with full knowledge well. that I on on the iPhone I use Twiddlelater Pro, but uh, on the Mac I use Tweety, which started life as an iPhone app, and its UI also has very little to do with what a good Mac UI should be. However. Uh, yeah. it, you know, I'm very used to the iPhone interface. So having a bit and piece of that applied to my Mac UI is, right. is livable. So, so I'll just say your, your lack of sophistication is, is nothing to be you know ashamed of. Oh, no, Anyways, I, I, Twitter, I am John F. Braun. Dave is Dave Hamilton. Pete is Pilot Pete. And uh, yeah, we're on there. Oh, and well, we just recently activated Mac Geek Gab. Yes, that's right. 
That's right. For Twitter. And actually, I'm tweeting a few things about this show right now. Are you really? I don't know if you noticed. No, I, I, I've been, you know, doing really show. pay attention D- to this. Steve's not following Matt Geek Gab on I Twitter. Don't, I don't follow that. Look, I had to trim down uh, the number of followers. <laughs> uh, I was uh, people I was following, and, and that was one. I just had to cut it out. All right. So that's one way to reach us. Another way to reach us. Did we talk about this? No, I don't think we did. No, you know what? We're, we're going we're gonna to wait on the contact info and go into Circus Ponies, which is our second sponsor go. for the show. Uh, Circus Ponies, of course, has Notebook version 3.0. Now, Notebook is an application that allows you to have multiple stores, multiple electronic storage spaces that start life and, and throughout their life look like electronic notebooks. And the idea is you can create a notebook for any purpose you want. Now, you could have a notebook. You could store everything you want in one notebook or you could chunk it out and have one notebook for work, one notebook for home, one notebook for recipes, one notebook for your class you're taking, one notebook for the PTO, whatever it is you do. And uh, the cool thing is it starts out in outline mode. You can just type and go. But you can also add in things. You can scan in documents. You can bring in PDFs. Uh, you can put diagrams in um, so that you can, you know, uh, annotate. Uh, say you p- pull a PDF in, you want to annotate it, you can do that inside Notebook. Uh, it's got a search feature called Multidex that allows you to search across all your notebooks. And you don't have to remember exactly what you're searching for. If you remember, you know, when you entered the data, perhaps, or, you know, a bit or a piece of that data, uh, Multidex will allow you to search for it. Notebook is available from CircusPonies.com uh, for forty nine ninety five, But, of course, the free 30-day test drive. Seems like all the software we advertise here is a 30-day test drive, which I think is fantastic. That's how it should be. The iPhone should somehow allow people to do this, but, I'm, I, but I digress. Uh, $49.95. Uh, Pete, I know you uh, you and your, your son both use a notebook, and your son uses it for school. And uh, it's all available at circusponies.com. This is Notebook 3.0 um, for forty nine ninety five with a 30-day free trial. All right. Is it time to uh, – we'll, 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 we'll come back to the contact info. We'll wet – you've wet their whistle, John. So let's uh, – should we go to Larry? Where's Larry? Larry oh, is there here. he is. Larry has a lot of questions. Where where are we on time here? Larry, Larry, it's possible Larry could wrap up the show, but I don't know. We're at 35, actually. 35. Yeah. 34, 39, but who's counting? And you've got to give Allison a chance to clean her grout, so you've got to keep going with more questions, (laughs) Kate. Oh, Allison, yeah. All right. She listens while she cleans her bathroom, she said last week. That's what she said. I told her she's on two of my lists. I only told her what one of them is. Uh... Yeah, well, okay. Moving on. Well, um, anyway, Larry writes, <laughs> uh, I have a network question and I am seeking some guidance and advice. Here are the specifications for my computer and a network. It's a 20 inch du- Intel core duo uh, iMac at two gigahertz with one gig of RAM. Multiple users enabled only Myself and my wife are admins. I have an airport extreme with 802.11n running a private network with WPA2 security enabled. Not the problem is problem. Now he has a problem and then two questions. The problem is not all users connect to the wireless network when logging in. 
if I log in as an admin first, then log out, the other users can see the network when they log in most of the time. However, if a non-admin account is logged in, then they have to enter the network password manually, which is a 40-character password. I've gone into each account and selected my network as the preferred network to connect to. I've added the password to their keychains. I have four other Apple computers that connect to the network without a problem. The problem appears to rest with my desktop. Okay, so that's that's question number one. I'm going to go ahead and ask all three of his questions here, John, and then we'll just answer them in order. Uh, number two, I've been thinking about upgrading the RAM for my computer, and the Apple spec page says that up to two gigabytes are supported. The purchasing of the box set of Leopard and the new iLife and... Uh, thinking about upgrading the RAM and purchasing the box set of Leopard and the new iLife and iWork 09 suites. In your respective opinions, is it worth looking at this upgrade or should I consider saving my money and purchase a new iMac when ready? And number three, I'm also wanting to purchase backup drives for most of the computers I have, and I'm curious about your thoughts on the Phantom Drive's green drive, one terabyte external eSATA USB 2.0 hard drive. Have either of you looked at these drives? The price is compelling. However, I don't want to purchase a drive that is loud or not built to last. All right, so let's go back to number one, his airport issue. So he's got multiple user accounts. The only one that can reliably connect without having to manually enter the password each time is the admin account. Hmm. Doesn't sound good. What do you what do you what do you think, John? You want to take this one or you want me to run with it? Well, we'll we'll, we'll, we'll kick it around a bit here. But my thought is if if I was to look somewhere and I think he, he said he did this. But if you go into airport advanced. Hold on. Hold on. All right. There we go. And then airport, you'll see preferred networks. Now, I think he mentioned the only thing I would toss in here that that machine was in preferred networks. So that's definitely the first place you want to look is to see. Is it even there? If it's not, then you're not going to log into it automatically. But I'm wondering, because in that list, you can change the priority. So it, it sounds to me, I'm guessing that that one machine is the only machine in this list. If not, that's the one thing I would try. Other than that, I would hand it over to you, Dave. You would hand it over to me, wouldn't you? Did I just run into a tangent? Did you drop it? <laughs> no, it I like I, you dropped it. I don't think I dropped anything. <laughs> but I heard it. I thought I heard some symbols or tambourine. <laughs> There's nothing to see here, folks. Yeah, this can move along. That's right. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay. So, um, needless to say, I was not paying complete attention to what you were saying there. Did what? you? Did you no, go through? I, I can only do that. Okay. Did Did you? Uh, did you go? I was you, talking about prioritizing and preferred networks. Yes, that, the, uh, the that's networks. what I thought. Okay, so you did so not mention. Pretty, you did not mention Dave, this is un, This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not the only you one that doesn't pay attention to yourself, Jack. <laughs> well, I rarely pay attention to myself. That's to, just to be fair. I was not even in my chair, but uh, but you know that's okay. You were playing the tambourine. I heard it. <laughs> I was clearly working on my tambourine right. solo. Keep, um, right, so go. So okay. I covered that. Yeah, but yeah. Other than that, yeah, you have some good suggestions. Yeah. For so the it sounds problem. like the issue and. And I, I, I know this because I've seen it, resi it resides in the keychain. When you log into a wireless network, it stores that password in the system keychain. Now, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't believe I am, I don't think it stores it in each individual user's keychain. I think it stores it in the global keychain for the system. So you've got to you go mean the system keychain. That would be the one. That's right. Thank you, sir. 
Okay, you so crystallize my thoughts perfectly. Well, I'm in keychain access, and I'm looking at this, and I see a, for example, John Braun keychain, right? A login keychain, a couple others, and a system keychain. So I'm guessing that's that's where that should be, right? And and in fact, if if you look in your system keychain on a machine that is wireless enabled, uh, you will see airport network passwords out there that you will not necessarily see in your login or user keychain. So. Uh, you, you, and you might see them. I don't know. But anyway, what I would do is I would go through all your keychains and delete every airport network password that you have for your local network. Then reboot the machine. And just to be safe, the first time back around, I would log in with a non-administrative user account and log into that wireless network and save that password. That's going to save it in a way that non-privileged users can get to it. Um, that that would, I, you know, I, I haven't done a whole lot of this with uh, without admin accounts. I, I make all my accounts admin, but, you know, I'm 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 not a security freak. I, I want access to my computer and I'm not overly worried about it. Yeah. So um, we're looking at key, key, key chain access. What I see here is I'm looking between. uh my user one and my system one, but where you want to look is that there's a, uh, in the keychain access utility, there's a kind column and you guessed it. The kind of password you're looking for is listed as airport network password. Right. Um, now it's funny because I see a lot of the same entries in both my system and my uh, John Braun account. I see a lot of duplicate entries, so I'm not sure where they should reside. They seem to be residing in both, which, since I'm admin, probably makes sense. But yeah, it it I've never understood why they sometimes are in one, sometimes another. Uh, but I, you know, in this case, I would delete it out of both of them. It it seems like there's a, a an issue with access and the keychain, and and you want to you know yeah yeah. Now you mentioned uh, keychain first aid. I didn't actually, but oh, I, I wrote okay. it down on our agenda and I think it's a yeah. good idea. So let's talk. Why don't you tell them how to get to Keychain First Aid here, John? Well, you go to Keychain Access and the Keychain Access Utility and in the Keychain Access menu is Keychain First Aid. And it pretty much looks at the keychain, which I guess is underneath it all a binary or text file and just make sure that the links between everything are consistent. I don't know why they would get disturbed, but... And I don't know if I've had great luck with doing this. I, I more suggest it for people that are having problems than actually using it to solve my own. I don't think I've ever had it solve a problem I've had. But, hey, give it a whirl. There you go. All right. Um, so question number two. Ram. He's got a 2 gigahertz core duo. Not a core 2 duo, but a core duo. So first gen Intel iMac. Yeah. Uh, Gig, a gig, and a gig of RAM. I, so I'll, his question I'll say is: that's puny. Oh, and I think I don't think Larry disagrees. You know, I think his question is: should he upgrade it or should he just you know forego it and find a new machine? Uh, my feeling is: go ahead and upgrade it. Uh, you know, I think I think a two gigahertz. It, it from I don't know exactly what he's doing with it, but my guess is. If he hasn't needed to upgrade it yet, chances are what you're doing with it, Larry, is sort of, you know, light to medium duty, uh, 
internet access, email, a little bit of gaming maybe, but mostly just surfing the web and kind of getting stuff done. And for that, that machine is going to be totally fine. Um, and, and I think you're, you're in good shape uh, sticking with the, uh, with the machine and just go ahead and upgrade it. What do you think, John? Um, I'm going to say, yeah. I mean, uh, I think I told you I recently upgraded my G5 here, which is a dual two gigahertz. Right. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a lot happier. So, yeah, I would say one gig is light on any recent Mac running OS ten, latest yeah. version of OS ten. Yeah, especially if you're going to go to Leopard. That's pushing it. Now, how can you tell if you're using the wrong amount of RAM and stuff? And, of course, we always recommend our pal menu meters. Like right now, I'm showing a, I'm using one gig and I have uh, four gigs free. So that makes me happy. And I'm running quite a few things here. So, Wait, how much RAM do you have in the machine? Uh, well, this is the G5. Yeah. I can get eight if I want. Right, but I how many do you five. have? Oh, you do have five. Okay. Huh. Yes. Or, or five and a half, actually. I, I had two, uh, two 256s and two 512s. Okay. Right. And then I added four one gigs because this has eight slots, which I think all the, right. do all the newer Macs have four or eight? I no, I think they got eight. eight. Yeah. The, yeah. The how series, I, how yeah. I miss the, the, the flexibility of upgrading a desktop machine, you know, with, with, with laptops, which is what I've lived with for so long and iMacs, which let's face it, they're essentially laptops in a, you know, desktop enclosure. You, you know, I, I want to explore that. Oh, no, no. As far as upgrading goes, they definitely are. There's no slots. RAM, okay. you know, okay. they, they usually have one, maybe two slots of RAM. You know, it's it's like upgrading a laptop. In fact, my all of my my current Macs, so my my MacBook Pros and my iMacs all use the same RAM chips. Mm. Yeah, it, it's all the same. So, you know, you're not going to get to a point where you have five and a half gigs of RAM somehow. Right. You know, you're, you're putting in one gig sticks, you're taking stuff out. You don't have eight slots yep. to mess with. So I, yeah. I do miss those days. Yeah. Yeah. So this machine has a PC 3200 memory. Yep. And I got four one gigs, two five twelves, two two fifty sixes. So it's packed. But uh, I, I'd say five gigs is a nice amount for, uh, you know, I don't do a lot of graphics or stuff like that. Oh, Some yeah. gaming and all that. So, uh, yeah, the machine's a lot happier because under uh, yeah one and a half gigs that was kind of pushing it. It was it was swapping a lot. So yeah, I would I would love to get uh, love to get up to uh, you know over t- four gigs. I, I find four gigs not enough in my uh, in my MacBook Pro for daily use. But but perhaps if I wind up uh, testing one of those run core drives, I might uh, I might feel differently. So yeah, I should test one of the uh, iMation. Uh, Oh, there you go. We got we got to get on the horn of those guys. Get get fighting with each other. We we got to we got to get our story straight, and the, the, the only people that can help us is them. Don't That's forget right. to order a third spear, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Pilot Pete, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, that would be in case either mine or Dave breaks. Right? Absolutely, Pete. absolutely. That's you right. got to have one in hand. <laughs> but we could we could we could let you hold. I could hold right. it for you guys. Yeah, that's right. It's not it's not mine. I'm holding it for somebody. Um, <laughs> You're no. not the first nor the last person to say that. No, that's all I'm going to say. But but perhaps <laughs> the only person to say it in that context. Um, Larry's last question about the hard drives. I, I don't I, I don't know enough about every model of every hard drive that's out there to have any opinion on this but john or pete in the event that either of you i do know, there you go 
Well, in general, no, I would just get and, and you got to sometimes it's it's hard to find this, but you got to get a spec sheet for the drive. Well, optimally, you want to find a nice uh, benchmarking site like, do, do you know about any Dave? Uh, who, who's that guy? Is it a uh, well, Tom's Hardware? There's bare feet. Tom's Hardware. OK, I, I, I was thinking Pete's Hardware, though. Uh, I don't know if that's taken. We may want to do that. But, uh, <laughs> Tom's Hardware. So so find somebody that runs benchmarks. Um, second would be just to get the spec sheets because the, and now you got to zero in on the important figure here. And the important figure is not the bus speed, not if it's ATA, whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's the platter to or the transfer rate from the drive platter to the interface. That is the figure that's going to limit you for the most part with any hard drive. So that's what you want to look at. And you also want to look at, as Pete pointed out, the power draw. Make sure you're not, uh, if, if you get, my recommendation is to look for a drive that's close to the one that you have already. And if you go to uh, System Profiler, you'll get the info. But you want to make sure that you 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 get something similar because then you eliminate chances of things just not working. Who the heck knows why? So get the same series. If not, get the same form factor and all that. But be careful of the power draw because it's it's possible if you get a newer drive, it could draw more juice and your battery will roll over more quickly. All right. And Pete, you said you, you found a site that has a drive. Yeah, I was just looking through here at some of the SSD drives. There's a uh, the standard.com uh, has an article in here on some of the benchmarks, guy doing benchmark testing on the drive. So, hmm. All right, there you go. But that's going to be the future, I think. I think the uh, just like the age of the uh, the floppy went away, I think the age of the mechanical hard drive. Though it's sad, but because they're they're advancing, but maybe not as quickly. You know, it'd be interesting to see if the uh, the RAM drives are going to you know uh, uh, leapfrog the mechanical drives as far as capacity or performance. I I, well, performance they clearly have at least, certainly in in terms of their you know low profile and low power counterparts for now because we've seen they're relatively new but yeah. but but they seem to be reliable yeah absolutely yeah no i and i think you know pete uh, mentioned it earlier i think either in skype or during the pre-show that you know we'll watch these, these these ssd drives are expensive now but give it a year maybe a year and a half and the, the prices will be half of what they are i, I mean it's it they, they're just going to come down because people are going to wind up using them for all the reasons we've talked about here. So, and you'll be really cheesed that you spent six hundred bucks on one this week. No, if, no, no. If See, you here's, buy one this here's week the thing: because by the fall, <laughs> Year, years ago, and this was while I was consulting for people, I, I found this advice to be helpful and true. The only day that the price of a new computer or some new gizmo gadget, whatever it is you are going to buy, matters is the day that you decide you want and or need to buy it. Yep. And and after that, don't look at prices for six months because now you've got whatever gizmo or computer or gadget it is and you're using it. So, yes, okay, maybe 18 months from now it's going to be less. Well, you know, when I came up with this and started telling people this was, you know, in the mid to late 90s when Moore's Law was like <laughs> raging and, you know, you'd see processor speed quadrupling every two weeks or something. And, you know, it was crazy. People would say, well, I, I just want to wait. Like, Well, look, you're using a Packard Bell from, you know, like this, the 50s or something here. You've got to upgrade. Just do it. Forget about what's going to be out in six months. Do it now. And and the same is true. You know, you just look at the prices, figure it out, find the best deal you can and go guns blazing and don't look at prices, you know, unless you've got price protection on your credit card or something. And then look during that period. And then after that, walk away. Mm -hmm. You want to contact us? Do you disagree? You agree? 
You have something else to share? It's totally unrelated. Call us. 206-666-GEEK, which is? 4335. Correct. And you can email us. And, John, the email address is? <laughs> Mac, uh, wait. Feedback <laughs> at MacGeekGab.com. That's, That's right. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Wait Dave. a minute. Did you say feedback at MacGeekGab.com? I, I think I did. I know those guys. And, uh, you can, and Dave fixed it so you can Skype We us. got calls on Skype. I have proof that the Skype yeah, thing works, which is MacGeekGab. That's right. iTunes comments are a great way to... Uh, Either show your love or or log your complaints for the public to see about uh, about our show here. Mm. And we very much appreciate you doing both. Perhaps we might appreciate the former slightly more than the latter, but it's Indeed. all good. Yeah. Uh, OK, where are we going here? What what, what are we on time here? Uh, the band in, I told you. I told you. Larry wrapped us up here. So uh, is somebody talking in the Skype chat about Schrodinger's cat. Because if we're going there, you're talking about Moore's Law, and I figured they used Occam's Razor to kill Schrodinger's cat. (laughs) 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 Use Moore's Law to charge him. (laughs) What a geek, man. Uh, You know, I'm trying to get the band in here, but get him in here quick, man. It's not working. It's out of control. Yeah, I'll tell you what's out of control is this thing's not working. So, Peter, you're saying the, the cat is alive and not alive, or. Both. No, I think Occam Freezer was used to kill a cat, wasn't it? <laughs> no, that's well, that's the in theory the simplest solution to the problem. Well, I think the simplest solution was to kill the cat some other way. That's right. Stop. Quit waiting for that uh, radioactive or not radioactive element to uh, to take it out. Isn't that right? Isn't Schrodinger's cat the, the, in the box? We talked about this on the show when I was ranting about whether or not it. the electric not company should charge me for power. Right? Wasn't that That's it? right. If you haven't used it. <laughs> well, they don't know what direction it's going. They can't. Or Sorry, they can't man. know where it originated. This is impossible. Right. Is there, you know, we got some other stuff we got to share here. Look, uh, David wrote in and he said, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I got a copy of Drive Genius 2 and it works marvelously. So this is what happened. One day, I noticed that I was having trouble backing up to my time machine sparse file. We know this, John. We've heard of this problem. In fact, I think it happened to to one of us, and it wasn't me. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I did not want to just simply throw it in the trash. I decided to try and mount the disk and run a repair on it with Drive Genius. Well, it worked, and I am backing up all happy now. Where's the band? There we go. And Dave, yeah, I got a tweet from E L S P U D L Spuddy. I don't know. All right, saying could we wish him a happy birthday on the fifth? And and the answer, unfortunately, is no. So certainly not. No, we're doing the show on the fourth. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday, man! I uh, so James writes in. I have a MacBook that's covered under Apple Care and an old Flying Saucer Airport Extreme that predated my purchase by a, at least a year, probably two. I heard on your show a few times that airports should be covered by AppleCare, but I've been told by a bunch of AppleCare reps that I am incorrect, that my base station is too old to be covered. Of course, I went to the Apple website and pulled up the info on AppleCare, and it says, I quote, A, subchapter A, subitem A, whatever it is, scope of coverage. The AppleCare protection plan covers your Mac as well as an Airport Extreme card, an Airport Express or Airport Extreme base station, and an Apple RAM it can use with your Mac. Mac Mini, Mac Pro, Power Mac, MacBook Pro, and PowerBook customers may also register one Apple display for coverage, provided that the Mac and display are purchased together. 
ambiguous huh. at best. Doesn't sound ambiguous to me, James. Uh, so my question to you, is there a magic phrase that I should use secret handshake or other persuasive method I should employ? I am typing this as I drive and speak on a cell phone. This is where you cut me off. Uh, if someone else doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> my my understanding and that which I've heard from folks at AppleCare is that, yeah, if you've got a machine that is under AppleCare, not just under the warranty, but actually under AppleCare, it will cover any airport base station that you use with it. Uh, if someone out there knows differently or or, can, or knows the same and can confirm that, uh, we would love to hear about it. So uh, help us help James. That would be fantastic. I, th- I think I'm done, John. I'm done interrupting our... I'm finished. Well, I know. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Good uh, show, man. So, good wind down from uh, from the, uh, the the chaos that was last week. I like the chaos last week. We got to do that again. No. Well, I'm with you. Every four to six... Uh, the, you years. know, there are folks that would like to listen in live to every show. I'm yeah, just saying. Well, I'm just saying. Uh, if you're one of those folks, let us know. Um, iPhonealley.com is Michael Johnston's home. In his new offices, his new digs. Get uh, out. Yeah. Really? He got digs? He got digs. We got to visit, man. That's, oh, yeah. We got to go to Chicago. Let's go. Um, He's the one that converts this show to AAC for all of you folks that, uh, that so enjoy the links and images. And sometimes, you know, he's got... Let's see Let's see how deep his archives go, because he had this great image of, of uh, that he started using when I moved up to New Hampshire here. Of my house. Oh, the, uh, the log cabin. The log with cabin bear. with the bear. <laughs> and I was there, too. It's like he had me next to the bear saying, That's yeah. Right. <laughs> There's John. Because I, I don't know if I'm really bear-like, but. Whatever. Cashfly.com is the place that provides all the bandwidth. The podcast marketplace includes the A5 and A2 desktop speakers from Audio Engine. An Another sponsor is back, John. Audible. Next week, it's your turn Sweet. to pick a book. A book? Yep. I've heard one, of that. One free book yes. from audiblepodcast.com slash MacGeekGab. Uh, BB Edit from Barebone Software. Uh, let's see what else we get. Notebook from Circus Ponies, of course. And uh, uh, how come my page sender from Smile on my Mac? Right? Yeah, page sender. See? Good. All through the BBM Podcast Network, which, of course, is the Backbeat Media Podcast Network. All right. Are we ready to get out of here, John? I'm are ready. You, out of are here. you ready? The band is. The band's out of here. They left, <laughs> I man. Look, they the got band. sick of you. I stopped the band. Are you ready? I am ready. All right. Let's get out of here. <laughs> and you know, it was pointed out that, that last week... Some claims that you say a certain phrase. Huh? What'd you say? Someone claimed you didn't say a certain phrase last week, but I think they're mistaken because I'm, I'm almost positive that we told people to not get caught.